Welcome to the Piney Pastors Podcast, the elders meeting after show where we hang out to discuss theology and issues relevant to covenant members at Piney Ridge Church in Winsville, Missouri. It's like a Bible study, covenant members gathering, elders hangout, and talk show all wrapped up into one. And it's all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So grab another cup of coffee and let's get started. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Piney Pastors Podcast. What up? Here on my left is... Steve Hopped. And across from him is... Jason Myers. I am Nathan Smith, and we are continuing our discussion on the law and its use and application in the life of Christian. And we got into this a little bit in the last episode, but we want to focus more specifically this time on antinomianism, legalism, and uh, first, I think it would probably be extremely helpful to explain what antinomianism is. People who don't like gnomes, like the garden gnomes? against, they, I don't... Yes, the common prefix anti being against, Mm -hmm. and gnomes, as everyone knows, is little... Garden things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, another uh, meaning would be... in Alaska. Yeah. Oh, that is, yes. People who don't like no that Alaska. city in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, another way to define <laughs> antinomianism. When your mom says, did you do that? And you go, no. 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 I didn't. Em. We are derailing quickly. <laughs> we shouldn't have taken a break. <laughs> no, I know. It's all falling apart. <laughs> um, who wants to uh, give a definition of antinomianism in the context of the Bible? And Jason does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Where does Mike, that word come from? Mike McCann. Break it down real quick. Us. Mike McCann told me that he often asks, uh, both in his Piney family and when he's uh, teaching teachers about technology, that does anybody have anything helpful to add? Uh, yeah, I should exactly. have said that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do either of you have a helpful <laughs> definition of antinomianism? Jason does. I will attempt. <laughs> um, so yes, anti does mean against. It is as a prefix and. Um, the nomian or nomianisms come from uh, the Greek word namas, which means law. So it's someone who's against the law in its etymology, like the, the, right. the origin of the word is just being against the law. But that's um, in and of itself is probably a little too crass um, that it's um, you can there. Are, I guess there's a spectrum of antinomianism. You could mm-hmm. say there's the far extreme, which people would say, I reject all authority, specifically the authority of God. And I want to I want to rebel against him. Right. Uh, but most people, especially Christians, are not there. Uh, and so there are nuances um, and different ways of being on the spectrum of being um, anti-law. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a diminishing of the law or a um, making light of different laws and Right. Um, having a way, uh, and sometimes, often, if people diminish the law in the name of maximizing grace, mm-hmm. um, and um, as though they are opposites um, when they are right. not. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that that is the most um, common, at least in our day and age, in our context, is the most common way that antinomianism appears, is that grace is, in, in an attempt to exalt the glory of God's grace, um, the law is presented as something totally antithetical to grace. Right. And that any emphasis on the law 
somehow diminishes the the graciousness of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in <clears throat> uh, like in in Martin Luther, and this can happen. And does to some degree with all of us, where maybe our stated theological position doesn't work out in practice or in preaching and teaching fully. And I would, I think, for Luther, it was good that it didn't, because I think mm-hmm. in his stated theology, uh, he probably was, from what I know of Lutheran theology or his his theology, that he probably was antinomian in what he would say. And some of his statements sounded very against the law. But then he would also preach. Through the Ten Commandments, yeah, he has as a, commandments. His the Lutheran Catechism includes right, the Ten right, Commandments. Right. He would teach his yeah. children the Ten Commandments and to obey them. Right, right. So in practice, there was some teaching, inconsistency, yeah, some contradiction. Inconsistent. Um, so what? Real quick, yeah. I, I I bet it's probably clear already, but we are anti antinomian. Yeah, that's good to say. So that we don't believe anti being antinomian against the law is good because to, we believe that being against the law of God is a being against God himself. Right. Yeah, yeah, and if you listen to the previous couple episodes, you probably picked up on that. Um, but yeah, that is a good point of clarification. Um, so what are some ways that anti being antinomian, being against the law, can be dangerous? Um, and maybe... I'm thinking of a couple of examples of people whose teachers, popular teachers who seem to really exalt and exult in the grace of God, but um, seem to wander over into antinomianism and it had some bad effects. I think there, there are several. Um, one, the one that keeps coming to my mind right now, uh, I, I guess there's the two is one is reading how we read the Bible. Um, it can really negatively affect how we read the Bible, because um, I think we've talked about this before, but the word exegesis means that we're uh, pulling out of, like exiting, right? We're, we're, we're drawing out of Scripture what's there. Um, and then the, the other term, the opposite, would be eisegesis, when you're putting into the Bible. So when we come to Scripture, we're, we should be trying to draw out what's actually there, not pouring into it our meaning and our own experiences and trying to make it mean what we want it to mean. But if we do that with having an attitude, um, and often antinomianism is more of an attitude than it is a stated belief, yeah. right? It's not something what someone says. They can say, I'm not against the law, I'm not against God, but the attitude can be, and how they read uh, the Bible, it's all colored through that lens of, surely God's not saying this. That can't be what it says here, because you, like you said earlier, we have a paradigm that won't allow for um, God to be commanding Christians today. Um, in, a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it, it can negatively affect how we read the Bible and then how we um, see God and obey Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop there and let somebody else The say. opposite end of the spectrum of antinomianism is legalism. Is that... Am I? Did I say that correctly? Is it? I say. I think that maybe that's a helpful way of talking about it only because it's on the same spectrum. Mm-hmm. Meaning that antinomianism, I think, is... A form of legalism. Mm-hmm. I think that they're not opposites of each other because they are. Um, they both have the same heart, which yeah. is they both. Yeah, explain that. Diminish the law. Helpful. Yeah. But when you think about a legalist, we would think of legalism as um, someone who says, "Oh, I, I I need to obey the law in order to um, be forgiven or blessed by God," and yet um, an antinomian would say, "Well, I don't need to obey the law." 
Mm-hmm. Of course, those are two kind of, you know, I said a crass ways of looking at it. Right. But if you look at them, they're both saying actually the same thing, just from different points of view. They're both saying the law is really disconnected from God himself. It's just something we have to do in order to manipulate God. And the yeah. legalist says we need to. And the antinomian says, yes, that is the use of the law. We just don't need to. Mm-hmm. So they're still seeing the law of God and God himself separate, divorced from each other. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still minimizing the law as something to be merely external, not as a heart of love for the Lord. And so um, I think that antinomianism is kind of legalism with its mask off saying, hey, look, I never really had any kind of regard for the law of God because mm-hmm. a legalist looks like they're all law abiding because mm-hmm. they do it outwardly. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus's whole point was against the Pharisees. Right. right. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And when he says, and uh, you, you need to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, I think he's talking about their kind of legalistic way of looking at it was purely external. And he says, no, 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 your righteousness must be from the heart. That's what God has always called his people to. Yeah. And so um, antinomianism and legalism are different forms, I think, of the same heart. Um, they're both minimizing the law. And therefore, I think they also minimize, when you do that, this is where it gets to the gospel to me, is that when you minimize the, the law of God, you minimize disobedience, which is minimizing sin, right. which is minimizing then the <clears throat> need for a Savior, and therefore Jesus' work on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and and even the need for grace, because if the law is not big, that big of a deal, then neither is God's grace needed that much. And Jesus's work isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't I don't think it's healthy for even our view uh, of the of the gospel itself to be legalistic yeah. or antinomian, having a mere legal use uh, understanding of the law. Yeah, I think that um, I don't like to say playing the devil's advocate because. Who wants to advocate for the devil? <clears throat> um, but if I were to uh, be the antinomian's advocate here, uh, <laughs> by the way, nobody identifies as self-identifies as an antinomian. Nobody that I, don't I, think. That I know of. No. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's not a position. So if you're no, wondering, no, do people say, "I hey, look, I'm a legalist." Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for, okay, what kind of uh, authors or teachers do I stay away from? Well, if I just look on the back cover of the book and they'll say, I'm an antinomian, it's not going to. So it's just something that um, you have helpful, to recognize, though. which is one of the reasons why we're talking about it. Um, but for those who think in a, uh antinomian way, they might say, um, no, actually, when... When Jesus says, uh, your, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, well, that, that is pointing us to the fact that we can never have a righteousness on our own that is pleasing to God. And that points us to the sufficiency of Christ alone, his righteousness alone for our justification. Therefore, we shouldn't strive for righteousness because that would then... Um, somehow diminish the gospel because we're saying, oh, we we can achieve a righteousness on our own. So, what when Jesus says that, that is just pointing us to His righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so that's a, an instruction that is only pointing us to our need for an imputed righteousness, which drives us to Christ. That magnifies the gospel and God's grace. And so, if we take from that any principle of no, we need to strive for righteousness, and then we're actually diminishing the glory of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how how would we respond to that? I would say, uh uh-uh. <laughs> I'd go, uh-uh. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's better. No, I, I think I would point out um, that there is a theological um, accuracy to what they have said, and that they maybe are getting a um, 
a partially theologically right view from a wrong text, and therefore their theology as a whole is misguided. So that the context of, of Matthew 5, 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he is um, teaching them, and he keeps saying, um, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And he's not correcting the Old Testament. He's correcting the Pharisaical understanding and right. teaching of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He keeps saying, you've heard them teach you this, but I'm saying to you it's different than what they've said. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's pointing out, the I think, what God has always intended the law to be, and the, his, the word of God and how we are to live as his people. And so I think in the context, it, that doesn't make sense. I think that um, Mark Jones has a book called, it, is it just called Antinomianism? I think it is. Yeah, I think I've read that book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it can be somewhat complicated, but it's, I think it's a good book. It's a helpful book. Um, but he uses, gives us a, a phrase, I think, that is helpful in there. He talks about having a, for, here's a, I'll give the big phrase he gives, is a justification hermeneutic, mm-hmm. where he basically what that means is, is that when you look at a passage that gives us some kind of command or gives us some kind of warning or threat, um, that we automatically want to say, oh, let's put, let's put our, uh, our understanding of that we are justified, declared innocent and righteous before God solely based on the work of Christ and God's grace and our faith in him. Let's put that theology over a text. But this is kind of, like I said earlier, eisegesis. And you're, 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 you're taking um, that understanding, that doctrine, and placing it over every command, every warning, every threat, and basically neutering it and mm-hmm. taking out any power from it to command us. Um, and I don't think that's how the Bible is meant to be read because later um, we read in the book of Hebrews that um, it says that um, if we're not striving for holiness, um, we will not see the Lord. Right. Because it, it, Not because um, if you strive for holiness hard enough or long enough or if you reach enough holiness in, in personal practical life that somehow you'll be justified, but that those who are justified by grace uh, alone in Christ alone, through faith in Him alone, are striving for holiness. They will strive for holiness. That's who they are because right. they have a new, they're a new creation. They have a new right. heart. They have the Holy Spirit in them. Right. And so um, I think it would be, and honestly, I, I think we would all agree, uh, I'll say it for myself, um, that I have some um, legal view and um, heart so that I have some form of antinomianism and some form of legalism in me operating all the time in ways I don't fully see mm-hmm. yeah. such that I want to <clears throat> make, um, I want to take the law and divorce it from God and make it something can I just do it manageable for me? And I want to uh, reject certain things I don't like. Um, right. but my problem is, is that I should like them. God's laws are good yeah. and they're yeah. holy and they're beautiful and we should see that and delight in them, but we don't always do so. And that's our problem, not God or his law. Right. And so, um, when I previously though, before I was, trying to understand this years ago, even looking at scripture, I couldn't make sense of certain things because they didn't seem to fit. And so I'd have to either take my justification hermeneutic where I'm trying to, uh, um, hermeneutics is like the, the, you know, understanding and interpreting scripture, the science of that. How do I understand this passage? How do I interpret it, uh, rightly? Um, well, I have to put the theology of, of justification over it. So it can't be commanding me anything or, I see contradictions, and it doesn't make sense to me. I don't mm-hmm. know how to make it make sense of it. But when I think we're able to see that the gospel of grace um, is not 
of works, but always leads to good works. Mm-hmm. Amen. It does change us. It does change how we see the Bible and then how we mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're not afraid of it. And I think uh, that an antinomian attitude is one that uh, belittles or not belittles, not the word I want, but uh, it makes it reduces our sin in our own eyes. We don't see mm-hmm. our sin as great as as it is. And, and so uh, Paul Paul says in Romans six. What then are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? I, I think an antinomian attitude is it doesn't matter what I do because everything I do is covered by grace. Everything right. I do is forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, it doesn't matter how I live my lives. He says, don't you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, Mm-hmm. or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Right. And, and someone might say, well, but if you're a Christian, how can it lead to death? Well, it's what you just said a while ago. If you're not pursuing holiness, then you are not saved. Right. Um, I'm talking about not every minute of every day, but talking about the arc of your life. Right. And, um, but he says, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart Mm-hmm. to the standard of teaching which you were committed and having been set free from sin. I love this verse. I keep coming back to it over and over. Having been set free from sins have become slaves of righteousness. Yeah. And, yeah. and so how, do you, how are you a slave of righteousness? You, you obey God's law. Because it heart, is righteous. From yeah. the heart. Yeah, he says, you willingly give yourself over to yeah. him. Yeah, right. Submit to it, willingly delight in it, and want to do mm-hmm. it. Uh, so it's not an issue anymore, really. Yeah, and I think that that uh, from the heart is where some people maybe get hung up because they think from the heart we connect that to emotions. Like if I have this right now an immediate feeling of I want to obey, I want to do this. We think that if it's from the heart, that means there's no struggle. There's no warring principle in us mm. against us. Right away, uh, all the way the with a happy heart. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if our heart's not feeling totally happy, then we go, well, that must not be from the heart. And so somehow there seems to be things that I hear um, mixed up in this antinomian kind of idea, this this feeling that if it if it requires effort Mm -hmm. then it must be legalistic Mm -hmm. and that's just not a biblical idea that passage that you referred to earlier jason from hebrews Hebrews 12 14 strive strive for peace with everyone for the whole and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the lord there's nothing passive about that and there's nothing uh emotion driven about that either Mm -hmm. there's a um and the heart in in the scripture often has more to do with the will um, than it does with emotion. Not that emotion is totally separate from it, but it, the heart refers to kind of the the seat of our um, uh, where we make judgments, where we where we decide what we're going to do. So, and and even in that, sometimes I think we even confuse what it, what we uh, what we should mean by emotion. I think um, if it's we have a a, a certain kind of almost um, psychosomatic feeling where we feel it not only in our mind but in our body mm-hmm. and we cannot can almost unexplainable kind of in my soul I feel it right but 
emotion in part can be just you really value something mm -hmm. and it can connect to um, a kind of motivation that says, because I believe this is good, I'm going to do it. Even if it doesn't feel easy right now. Um, or feel good. Or I feel mean, good and natural. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's it not only hard, but it's uh, sometimes we suffer in obedience. It, it's it's putting yeah. to death something in our flesh. We you know we we have to fight against the desires of our body and our mind, and putting those things to death are painful for the body and the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and I I do think we should push against. Um, the um, the legalism that would say, well, in order to um, be forgiven by God, we must obey. Mm -hmm. in, like if we obey enough, we can be forgiven. We earn that. Yeah, we earn it. Yeah. it. It's never been that. God has never given us that. Right. Um, in Galatians it says, if there was a law that was given that could attain, attain life, obtain life, then Jesus died for no purpose. He mm -hmm. wouldn't have needed to come. But the promise. Um, is that we are justified, declared innocent and righteous before God solely by grace uh, in Christ through faith in Him. Yeah. Um, and so people would say the last thing that this world needs is more people talking about the law because it'll turn them into legalists, and that destroys the ground of the gospel itself. But I would argue you could say the other end and say, part of my message on Sunday was that the goal of the gospel is that we would be holy like Jesus that we would live in as glorified saints mm -hmm. before God, worshiping Him with all of our hearts forevermore. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you um, say, well, well, we won't be legalists, we'll be antinomianist, uh, then you just destroy the goal of the gospel. So we need both the ground and the goal because the power of God to pardon and to cleanse and transform us is part of the gospel. And so um, I would say that the world needs more Christians who are obedient from mm -hmm. the heart. More yep. people who are obeying because they love God, even if it's not always easy, and they must strive for it and fight against their temptation, uh, their sins, and flee temptation mm -hmm. and resist the devil, and um, mournfully repent and wail and weep for their sins. So, um, I think that we need more of that, as in addition to, not instead of, but in addition to preaching a gospel of grace that then gives us grace to obey the law yeah. right so that we don't yeah. preach the law by itself we preach a, a grace laced a, a gospel infused a christ-centered law yeah. that says this is the law of christ mm -hmm. the, the grace the grace that empowers us i love that i love what you said there because grace is more than just unmerited favor it's a power that works within us uh to but to cause us to both will and to do god's good pleasure yeah, one theologian I read recently said that um, how the New Testament writers use the word grace often, um, it's often in terms of um, how we live and that we can live, not just that we are forgiven, though that's true. And he said that um, you can almost see a parallel of um, synonymous relationship with grace of God and the Spirit of God, mm -hmm. that the grace mm -hmm. of God is always worked in us by the Spirit of God. And um, I'm a, here's a paraphrase of John Owen. He said, if, if one denies that God commands the Christian to obey him, if one denies that God commands a Christian to strive after holiness, uh, if one denies that God promises to work holiness in us because of his grace in Christ by the Holy Spirit, exhorting us with his commands, then that same person may well reject the entire Bible. That the Bible is this message of, of God working in Christ as the King who is Savior, saving us not just from 
the penalty of sin, but ultimately one day the full power, pleasure, and presence of sin. And that's the fullness of the gospel, and we can't lose that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that those who teach in an antinomian kind of way um, do so because, or at least initially, because they think that it is... Um, it's, it's more comforting to people, that it feels more comforting to, um, you know, preach a passage like this one from Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. A, an antinomian, or at least as I've often heard it, kind of approach to that would be, um, yeah, you should strive, you should do what it says, but when you fail, and you will, remember that only Christ had you know, perfect, perfect holiness. Right. I started to say perfect <clears throat> peace with everybody, didn't because people hated him. But, um, but only Christ had perfect holiness, and so rest in the holiness of Christ that is imputed to you through faith. And so again, like you said, it's a it's more of an attitude. It's an emphasis taking. Yeah, emphasis is a good word too. Taking the way, um, taking the intended emphasis of a biblical writer out and putting it instead somewhere else on justification. Um, but how how should someone who, you know, reads this verse and says, I'm supposed to strive for holiness, well, my holiness feels like it's terrible. There's, there's a hole in my holiness. There is a hole. Kevin DeYoung, thank you. Um, which, I guess, that would, I haven't read it, but I think that's probably another good book about um, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. The Hole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung. Yeah. Have you guys, either of you read I've that? read parts of it. Were those parts good? They were. Okay, we'll recommend I, it then. I read, I read <laughs> The Disciplines of Grace by Gary Bridges recently, mm-hmm. which is about sanctification, which yeah. was, another good was a really good book, yeah. Good. And there's another book real quick on, uh, we're doing resources, on the antinomianism, legalism, and gospel is uh, The Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. The w- Whole H-O-L-E. Christ. W-H-O-L-E. Yes. Whole. <laughs> whole. Yeah. So uh, how would you counsel someone who is struggling with this, who's whether it's this verse or just the whole idea of I'm supposed to strive for holiness and I see how I fail and fall. Um, so what I want to do is just think about Jesus all the time because if I think about how I'm supposed to strive for holiness, I feel terrible. I feel condemned. Well, they need to preach the gospel to themselves. Uh, like what you said a minute ago, I was like almost, that's almost good. When you talked about the grace of God, but you went to the direction of because only Jesus can do this, then I don't really need to try mm-hmm. because in Christ, you know. And, but what we do need to do as we're striving for holiness, we need to constantly be preaching the gospel to ourselves that when I fail, there is forgiveness for my sin by the blood of Jesus. And, and that, that the hope is, at least for me, the hope is, and what I have to keep constantly preaching to myself is, then don't give up because you don't have to feel like a miserable failure when you fail because there is grace for you and you need to keep striving because Mm -hmm. yeah you're never going to reach it here in this life completely perfectly but one day you will and um and 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 our we are created to give glory to god we're created for god's glory in the best way that we can give glory to god is to live our lives in a manner that's worthy of our calling and to live our lives in such a way that we do reflect the glory of God. So uh, my counsel to that person is 
preach the gospel to yourself um, mm-hmm. and, and remind yourself. And let me remind you when you fail that, that there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus and keep striving, Colossians 1.29, with all his energy that he powerfully works in you mm-hmm. which is part of the gospel so it preaches the full gospel to yourself yeah. which like you said grace is not only pardon but also power yes mm-hmm. and so that he th- there is no um if there's only a win for the christian to be holy and it's and it's this um um tim chester has a book you can change and in fact he ends up saying not only you can change but if you are a believer in jesus christ you will change mm-hmm. right. you will be made more like christ and it says, in, or as Paul says in First Thessalonians, that um, um, he will sanctify us. And he who is faithful, he will surely do it. Um, so the, um, the, the point of, of preaching the gospel to ourselves is that, yes, because we are forgiven, we can keep going. And because we have the promised power of the Spirit by the grace of Christ, we will keep going. And let's have great hope that we will one day um, be, well, not just one day, but every day, be made more into the image of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and in that, um, I think you said this may have been in a previous episode, but that it can be very, very discouraging to look at a single day or single Mm -hmm. instance within a day. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you are someone who struggles with seeing how God is shaping you to become more like Christ, it can be helpful to step back and look at a longer period of time, of yeah. a year, um, a decade sometimes, and and see how you've been growing in Christ-likeness over that period of time. We were talking before this podcast about some of the struggles of getting older. Mm-hmm. So that One of the blessings of getting older is you're able to see a, a, a wider swath of life where you can see that arc. Mm-hmm. Um, Pointing up t- upward toward God, yeah, yeah, and that's that's the grace of God over time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it makes is clearer than just the grace of God right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jason, would you close this podcast with a? This feels like it would be appropriate to pray. Yeah, for um, all those who listen, and um, just pray that we would grow to love the law of God more and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that you've given us your law, that you, you give us your um, your teaching, your truth, or that has implications that we are to obey, because it reveals who you are, and it shows us how best to live life and live life with you, enjoying you and having peace with you. Um, and we know that as sinners, we cannot um, undo our sin. We cannot pay the penalty that we. Uh, we deserve, but that you sent Jesus to obey that good law perfectly from his heart, from the heart, and um, that it was, it is counted as our righteousness by faith, mm-hmm. and that this frees us from condemnation for our disobedience to the law, to your law, to you, and it also is um, <laughs> one of the things that your son has purchased is his freedom and power, and a, a new heart, a new direction, Amen. and a new destiny that we are being made in more into His image. And help us to long for that. Help us to long for purity and holiness so that we will then strive. Help us to love and delight in Your law that helps us, that Holy Spirit, would You use it? Would You work in us to convict us, 
to change us, to restrain us, and to, um, to lead us to be more like Jesus. And I pray for those who are struggling right now, maybe with a, uh, with a besetting sin, with a sin that they are, have been struggling with for, for years, maybe even decades. And um, God, would you remind them, renew a passion in them to pursue holiness. Amen. Renew within them a hope that you are the God who sanctifies, that you are faithful and you will surely, surely do it. Help us to um, not only have a confident expectation, but an eager longing to be whole and to be pure, to be righteous, to be holy like you. That our life, so that our lives would now be ever more reflecting something of your glory and your goodness and your grace and the power that you have given us by the Spirit. Would you help us to seek you and to trust you? Continue your saving work in us, Jesus. We pray all this for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We have a new podcast each week, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For more information about Piney Ridge Church in Wentzville, Missouri, visit us online at pineyridgechurch.org. That's P-E-I-N-E, ridgechurch.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Piney Ridge. That's all for today. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning.